Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Movies That Matter. I'm your host, Chris Flaherty. Thank you for joining us. And today we're going to have some fun storming the castle, talking about The Princess Bride. And my guest today is Sarah Eshelman, English and journalism teacher here in Burlington, Massachusetts, North Shore resident and southeastern Pennsylvania native. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. Thank you for finally coming in. I was like trying to grab you for like a few months, but I'm like... You and I are always so busy on Thursdays. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, Thursdays are busy with the Journalism Club and the Cat TV Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right, so Princess Bride, very excited to talk about this movie. Yes. Um, just to start off, in your own words, can you tell me what this film is about? <laughs> um, it's about fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, chases, escapes, true love, Miracles. <laughs> this sounds familiar. I know. Am I, um, I apologize to all listeners. We'll, we will be quoting the movie quite a bit. That's fine. Let's but do it. The, but the movie really is about, at least, is two layers of story. It's sort of a story within a story. There is the outer story, which is a grandson, mm-hmm. um, played by was it Fred Savage, mm-hmm. is sick. He, I, I always thought he was like sick from home from school, mm-hmm. um, but also might be on Christmas time. But he is at home, he's sick, but not like, you know, super sick. And his grandfather, played by the amazing Peter Falk, comes by and says, I'm going to read you a book. Uh And then the other story, the story within the story, is the book. It is the book that the grandfather's reading to his grandson. Uh So, and that story is a classic fantasy, adventure, action, um, good guys versus bad guys, but... As I kind of see, and we might talk more about is how it's a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, the people you think are bad guys turn out to be actually good. The people you think are good guys are actually bad. So there's a lot of subversion of expectations in this movie. Yeah, I, I, that was actually in a few of my notes. And so I'm glad we're going to talk about that. Yes. Um, not a lot of people probably know this is based off a book. Did you mm-hmm. ever read the original novel? I did. Okay, I tell have, me about that. Um it's been it's been a while since I read it. I feel like my my mom had it, and I just kind of like stole it from a bookshelf and read it myself. <laughs> um, it's very very similar, mm-hmm. but there's actually a little bit of like a harsher satiric edge in the book. Okay, um, a lot a lot, lot more details. Like as as it makes sense, there's a lot more details mm-hmm. in the book than there are in a movie. But the details are even a little bit more satirical, and even the ending. Like, is a little bit more up in the air as to whether or not it's actually a happy ending. Oh, okay. Um, and even that one, like, you have, um, it's William Goldberg, right? He's the yeah. author. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a character in the book himself. Oh, okay. So it's like, he's a character in the book looking for this old book that his father used to read to him. And that's the book that he <laughs> finds. And then he tries to, like, write it, but he abridges it because he realized that when his dad was reading the book to him, his dad cut out a lot of parts to it. Oh, my God. It's very layered. <laughs> I want to read the book now. It, it's good. It's good. I, um, but it's definitely, I think, in tonally, uh, there's a little bit more of, like, a little bit more of, a, like, a sharper satire to it, tonally. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up reading the book. Um, when the movie first came out, do you remember the first time you saw it? I really don't. Okay. I don't remember it at all. Um, what I do remember is loving it, like, mm-hmm. immediately. Um, I was trying to think back, and I always say that I was probably seven years old when I first saw it, but I also tend to say seven is the age I've 
experienced a lot of things. Like the first time I saw Jurassic Park and the first time I read Ella Enchanted, but that, that doesn't actually line up if you look at the years. Yeah. <laughs> but I was definitely a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just, I adored it. I find it so funny. I remember um, for years, my mom would mute the TV, right? The, at the part where the one character says the only bad word in the whole movie. When Indigo Montoya says, I want my father back, you son of a... Oh, yeah. For years, that was muted. <laughs> she, just, she was she, ready. She was ready. It was like... That's fun. And, and, um... But I don't remember the first time. I just it was so interwoven into my media landscape as a kid. Okay, so you grew up with this movie, absolutely. Um, I didn't see it for the first time until 2019, <gasps> regrettably. Yeah, what? I know. Um, we used to do movie nights here at Cat, where I would like do a 10, 15 minute presentation on like the history of the movie and like, its production and stuff. And for years, everyone was like, "You got to do the Princess Pride." And I'm like, I've "Never seen the Princess Pride." And then finally, summer 2019, I was like. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And here I am, and it's, like, one of my favorite movies now. That's so interesting. I was wondering now, do you feel like you might have different feel? I'm curious now if you have a different feeling to the movie because you watched it so much later. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, for me, I literally grew up with the movie. Like, I'm curious if you think that makes a difference. It, it has such a timeless quality to it. Mm. I almost feel like I did grow up with it in a way. <laughs> because, it, to me, like... I look at, like, the whole basic premise of the movie, and that's just something that has been, like, ingrained in, like, our mm. pop culture and society. Like, yeah. it's a grandfather telling a bedtime story to his kid, and it's just, like, this wacky fairy tale. And, yes. like, that's just that's just basic, like, nature of storytelling right there. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, immediately I was like, yes. Like, yeah. this is my jam. Yes. Like, I like the whole... I like the framework of, like, a narrator reading to a kid, and then the kid's, like, w- interrupting a few times. Yes. And, I have yeah. so many thoughts about the interruptions, actually. Okay. Tell me. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, again, as I said, I think I was just said maybe, like, off um, Mike was saying, hell, like, watch I rewatched this movie again yesterday just to get ready for our conversation. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like, the act of watching the movie, knowing you're going to be talking about it, you mm-hmm. get a little bit more... Not critical in a negative sense, but more like you're really thinking in depth as like, yeah. hey, how does this work? And what was like technically going on here? Mm-hmm. And I think that the grandson's interruptions happen in a way that still pulls the audience in. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you have um, this movie really connects to, you know, connects to little girls because it has that romance. Right. But also connects to little boys because it has the action. Mm-hmm. And in the very beginning of the movie, there's, you know, we get the quick romance between Wesley and Buttercup mm-hmm. and then they're kissing and then suddenly interrupted is ah, they're kissing yeah. <laughs> and I was like oh that's such a brilliant way to pull in anyone who feels this yeah. is too cheesy mm-hmm. so if someone's watching and they're like oh this is so cheesy well it's already been written into the movie yeah. you know, the movie is acknowledging mm-hmm. not that it's cheesy but it's at least acknowledging a point of view pulling in that particular perspective and then it's like oh well i can't criticize the movie anymore because they kind of wrote that in right oh oh that's brilliant so it's like yeah. some other and then um and i know I, I was like saying earlier how i feel like there is again there's sort of like a subtle like darkness or just a recognition of um difficulty and in, in life like we know one of the most famous lines is life is pain yeah you know, like we quote all the other lines, but that's another really famous line. And mm-hmm. another time when the grandson interrupts is that he 
is so angry when Wesley is dead. Yeah. And then he's like, who kills Prince Humperdinck? Who kills him? He's the bad guy. Someone's mm-hmm. got to do it. Yeah. And the grandfather's like, no, no one kills him. He lives. Mm-hmm. You mean he wins? And there's this anger and about the injustice of life. Yeah. Because in fairy tales, and this is very much a fairy tale, but in yeah. fairy tales, the good guys always win, right. the bad guys always lose. Mm-hmm. But we all know that's not mm-hmm. life. And fairy tales are a way to introduce the harsher realities of life in, yeah. in like a safe way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that grandson sort of anger like you mean he wins that's kind of the cry of a lot of people yeah you, you mean the bad guy wins mm-hmm. um and again that's sort of the movie sort of reinforcing both that there is hope because you know like death did not stop true love you know mm-hmm. true love still is a real thing but mm-hmm. also acknowledging that life is also pain right and i find that's why i almost feel like that outer storyline of the grandson and the grandfather is very much a coming of age of the grandson. Yeah. Not in a really dramatic sense, but just in the sense that he begins to learn the complexities of life and of reality. Yeah. Through the medium of story. Mm-hmm. And he wants to hear the story again at the yes. end of the movie. Yes. So it's almost like we got him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I do love, and I, again, like when you're watching it and knowing you're going to talk about it on the podcast, like you think a little critically mm-hmm. more about it. I think it's very clever that the first thing we see in the movie is a video game. Oh, yes, he's, go he's, on. He's playing the most advanced form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then he's won over by the very basis form of entertainment, which is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, like, and oral storytelling. And oral storytelling, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yes. And the, the grandfather says, back in my day, television was called books. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that, uh, my, my girlfriend, like, she... She doesn't like this movie. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, we'll, 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 we'll forgive her. <laughs> I know. Um, she was ready to leave the room as I started watching watching it, but the television line cracked her up. I'm like, see, maybe you should watch this. <laughs> so we're, and that's we're wearing her point. down. Yeah, no, that's a good point, too, that it's a little bit of that, like, let's revisit what good storytelling is. And I think that might have been, like, one of your questions or one of your comments about yeah. what is this saying about storytelling. Right, yeah. And I think we're kind of getting at it, that, like, you know, at its heart, storytelling is making meaning of our world and of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, really, like as you were saying, and I, I love that you pointed out that it's the grandfather reading to the grandson. He gets won over by, a, a, like, that's the original storytelling of mm-hmm. older generations telling stories to the younger generations yeah. to help them understand life, help them understand what love is, mm-hmm. um, the, this, the nature of reality. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think that's what the, the story is sort of getting at. Mm-hmm. But in such a... It's so subtle. Like, yeah. you don't feel like you're being beaten over the head at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you really right. have to... Like, you, you think about this stuff and you realize it, but you also realize that they are doing that and also just making a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember when I first saw it, this is... The movie's saying, like, storytelling is... Or story is... I, I was going to say king for, like... Yeah. A, but yeah, I mean, that's why we write. That's why we make movies. That's why we read. We're telling stories or recording history and everything. Like, it, mm-hmm. it all starts with storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's how I immediately latched onto this movie. Um, <laughs> yes. I, you were talking about subversion of expectations, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get into that a little bit because there's something that came up in my mind when I was, re- I was watching that last night. Oh, yeah. Because um, we were talking about, like, life and stuff. Mm-hmm. The bad guy is a prince. Mm-hmm. And the hero is a pirate. 
Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's only, like, part of it. It's absolutely that, again, as you said, like, and I didn't even think of it that the, the hero is a pirate. Because I think that the whole idea of, of Dread Pirate Roberts is so funny to me mm-hmm. that they just keep handing off the name. Yeah. Um, it's just a title. It's just a title. They yeah. just kind of keep handing off. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's help. It's kind of bringing us to the tra- traditional fairy fairy world or fairy tale world but without but showing us maybe like hey it doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look because for me when I think about it I think about um, Indigo and Fezzik mm-hmm. when we first see them you know oh, they're the bad guys they're, right. they're, they're kidnapping Princess Buttercup mm-hmm. yeah. but then almost immediately after in the scene in the boat where Vizzini is like yeah. after we kill her and like Fezzik's like no one said anything about killing an innocent girl Yeah, you know for Fezzik he's like I'm not I'm not killing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have that amazing Vime game yep. that they do with each other. Yep. And I was watching, I was like, this is so subtle. In that boat scene, they are humanizing these characters. Yep. You know, Fezzik has a moral code. Indigo agrees with him. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to kill her. Yep. They're uh, kidnapping, fine. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but it's... Um, and then they have this really sweet exchange that shows that they know each other, they like each other, they have a fun game mm-hmm. set up. Um, and and again, later, they're, they are the ones who actually bring the hero back. And in a really strange way, I feel like Fezzik and Indigo are the true like core of the whole story mm-hmm. because they're the ones who get Wesley back. Yeah, They help revive him, mm-hmm. and they get him to reunite with Buttercup. Yeah. Um, they have their own motivations for it, but mm-hmm. ultimately, like, they're sort of the secret, like, like MVPs of the story. Yeah. You stole my note about them <laughs> being initially, like, we see them as bad guys, and then, mm-hmm. like, no, they're, they're very nice guys. Yes. And the film definitely, like, lays the groundwork. I love the three, I'll, I'll call them fight scenes, oh, but, yes. like, first, where yeah. Wesley, he goes against Indigo, then he goes against, I, I always mess their names up, Fesnick, and then he goes against Vicini. Mm-hmm. And I think just, like, the fact that it's not... They're not action-heavy scenes. They're dialogue-heavy mm-hmm. scenes. Yes. And you get to know Indigo so well. Mm-hmm. And you cannot help but like this guy. Yeah. Like, you seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. <laughs> it's... I just... I love this movie. And I was sitting there, like, last night. And I'm like, if there was some way you could twist... I, I don't want this movie remade. I don't want it rebooted. Mm-hmm. But if there was some way we could do an Indigo Montoya movie... I would be oh, for yeah. it. Like just in just in a Montoya. Yeah, yeah, like just do like some like a prequel or yeah. something, or even a sequel. Maybe he does become the Dread Pirate Roberts and see. That him. would also be good. That'd be so good. Yeah, um, I love the fight scene too. It's mm-hmm. so so like some like fun movie trivia. Um, that's really the actors fighting. They mm-hmm. train right. so hard, and they were training with like the best of the best in the sword fighting business. Like the same, I know Bob Anderson. I'm trying to remember the other gentleman's name but they they trained errol flynn they trained mm-hmm. like you know um douglas fairbanks douglas fairbanks jr wow you know way back this old-fashioned swashbuckling films in the 1930s mm-hmm. and they are coming around and training these two and i think the director just wanted like more and more like no a- add more to the scene like let's like make it a really long fight scene mm-hmm. and it's all of them i think the only time it's not them is like during the flips during the, the very yeah. clearly not them <laughs> but even i'm just like it's not them but i'm still enjoying it this. it's still great um and i guess even as the dialogue it's 
fairly accurate to what I don't know if it's accurate to what they're doing, but the writer researched fencing, okay. so all the terms that they're using are real terms. Okay, because yeah. I was like, like, what what are they talking about? <laughs> they're just like saying, oh yeah, th- this is the move that I'm using. Oh, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh okay. <laughs> the dialogue in this, I love the dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Just yes. the way people talk to each other, how it's written. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm smiling the whole time. Yes, I, like I'm just like, what is this movie doing to me? Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Um, we've jumped around a lot. Um, but what stuck out to you in that first viewing of the movie? Or what made you want to keep coming back to it, do you think? Ooh, I, I, this is really going back. As I said, I, I have no memory of the mm-hmm. very first time I watched it. I just know, like, deep in my heart, it's always been a beloved film. Mm-hmm. Um, I might get to this a little bit later sure. again, but, like, mm-hmm. for me, it's so emblematic of the kinds of stories I like. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you have the action and it's exciting, and but it's not like scary, scary or mm-hmm. like really like gory. Yeah. And there's still so much hope in the story, mm-hmm. and there's um, like a lightness to it. Yeah. So, thinking back to me as a kid, like I've always loved fantasy. I've always loved like fun mm-hmm. action adventure kinds of stories. So I think I just it's just the kind of story I've always been drawn to. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. That's definitely what keeps me coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about a lot of characters for yes. a while, but um, any characters that really stick out in your mind? I feel like I already know the answer, but... <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, all of them. Mm-hmm. All of them really stick out, and just in very different ways. Um, I think one thing, I was actually thinking about this as I was driving in, mm-hmm. um, thinking about dialogue, you made that comment about how good the dialogue is, and I was thinking about why it's so good. And it, well, you think if you really consider it, it's funny, mm-hmm. but the characters are not trying to be funny. Right. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and like I know with um, the character of Wesley, is, is it Carrie um, Elvis? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, when he was first cast, they were like, oh, this is awesome. He looks just like, you know, a young Errol Flynn, like mm-hmm. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Yeah. But they were like, can he be funny? And it's like, oh, thank goodness he, he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. But if you really look at the dialogue, I was thinking about Miracle Max. We have not oh. even talked about Miracle yeah. Max. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about it, like, Miracle Max is so funny. Oh, like, Rob Reiner, the director, couldn't even be on set when Billy Crystal was performing because he would laugh so hard he would get ill. Like, he just couldn't do it. And, like, Mandy Patinkin <laughs> bruised a rib trying to hold back laughter in that scene. Like, it was so funny. But if you really think about the dialogue, the character, it's also character-driven. The character mm-hmm. is just this professional miracle man mm-hmm. who is bitter because he got fired by the yep. king's stinking son. <laughs> like, and, and everything is coming out of the character. Yeah. And it feels very character-driven, the dialogue. It doesn't feel like he's being... It doesn't feel like they're jokes in, mm-hmm. in, in the sense of our, like someone's making a joke. It's just that very character-based dialogue that is just, just somehow so hilarious yeah yeah I mean Billy Crystal just like I don't know he had like five minutes of screen time I he, know he did not waste it no. at all no um, you mentioned Carrie Elways and I think we talked about this a little bit before but you went to did you go to a screening where yes. he was there yeah yes. I want to hear about that um, this was a while I think this was like 2019 mm-hmm. um, he was I, th- I think what it was is he was doing a little talk mm-hmm. followed by a screening of the movie Okay. And so this, um, I went to the Cabot in Beverly, mm-hmm. 
And I think the first, like, maybe half hour was him on stage just, like, talking about the filming of the movie and talking about his experiences. And, like, I don't know if anything, like, brand new came out of that. Like, if you're, like, there's um, a documentary called As You Wish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a documentary of the film in the movie. Like, there's already so much out there. But he's up there in person telling stories, mm-hmm. um, sharing his love for the film, sharing his love for his um, castmates. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, Andre the Giant, unfortunately, passed away about six yeah. years after the filming of mm-hmm. the movie. And, but he was so beloved. Mm-hmm. You know, they loved him so, so much. And so he was speaking and then it was the filming and then it was the screening of the film mm-hmm. and for me that that just like and that's also so fun to be in a movie theater and mm-hmm. watching a film that everyone's so excited about yeah. like just the energy you get but I was thinking about this earlier just like I I think knowing how things are on set can sort of change or shape how I feel about a movie yes. like if I know if there was like a very abusive director or like mm-hmm. really awful things that go like you know yeah. there was so much love on set mm-hmm. um for this movie and the fact that like you know carrie always is still talking about it you yeah. know he's still like i love this movie so much mm-hmm. i will continue to talk about it i will continue to share stories with people about it like mm-hmm. I think that really speaks to um, the experiences for the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the, the As You Wish documentary. I think it was, um, it might have actually been Robin Wright who was saying how, it was Christopher Guest actually who was the one who said um, that Rob Reiner, the director, mm-hmm. is an actor's director. He mm-hmm. really just um, accepts actors' ideas mm-hmm. and pulls them in. Um, Robin Wright, she said she was 19. Yeah. During the filming. And mm-hmm. this was really her first big movie role. Mm-hmm. And she felt so safe mm-hmm. and so comfortable mm-hmm. on set. And, uh, and of course, as I said, like, you know, everybody just loved everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her story about Andre the Giant. He, uh, so Andre plays Fezzik. Yeah. And he... You know, with her and during the filming of the screen, the, was it the screaming eels, the shrieking eels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in the water tank, and it was cold. Like she was really oh, cold. She I was shivering. Mm-hmm. And he, what he would do is he would put his hand on her head, mm-hmm. and he, he was so giant, he was so big mm-hmm. that the base of his hand would be by her neck, and his fingers would reach over her forehead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just this like warm hat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for her and, and, and she was telling the story and just like you know tears are coming into her eyes because yeah. she's thinking about how just how incredibly kind he was yeah. and as I said I, th- I think when when there is love centered in the creation of something mm-hmm. um, whether it's this movie I was even thinking about the the TV show Good Omens season 2 is coming out this week actually okay. I'll watch it it's so good another um, TV show I need to catch up on um, I mean that one is based off of a book co-written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. and that TV show was made with so much love for Terry Pratchett who mm-hmm. passed away I think about eight years now um, so I, I, I find so with this movie with The Princess Bride I think there was so much love in the creation of it mm-hmm. and on set and so much care that I think it sort of spills out into the actual film itself yeah and Andre the Giant he just he is Fesnick like I, oh, I, yes. I always want to compare it to like Robin Williams and the genie like that that role mm-hmm. was like tailor made for him mm-hmm. and just er- everything he says is just like you just smile <laughs> it's like you just mo- mo- wingled your finger that's one- wonderful <laughs> <laughs> yes um, where, where am I here um, 
Any favorite scenes from the film? I know we've talked about it a lot. But it's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to um, narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked... I mean, the whole film is my favorite yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the Miracle Max is so good. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I love, like, Valerie, like, liar, liar! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the other ones that I just love so much. I also kind of like the fire swamp. Yeah. Um, I love, like, I actually find it really, not to, like, really overanalyze the characters of, like, Wesley and Buttercup, but, like, the interaction where Wesley is like, oh, this is actually quite nice. <laughs> and Buttercup just gives him a look of, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So he's clearly the optimist. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> She's clearly the realist and mm-hmm. more practical. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of other scenes. There's so many. Yeah. But there's, all, there's so many little details, too. Like, tiny little character details that are so brilliant. Like, I think this is um, towards the end of the film when Prince Humperdinck, you know, faces off against Wesley again. Yeah. And he drops his sword and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, go sit down. He does this goofy thing. He sort of picks up his sleeves. Mm-hmm. So, th- so the character is wearing, like, his wedding yeah, yeah, yeah. outfit mm-hmm. and his sleeves are quite full like almost like bell sleeves mm-hmm. he sort of just like picks them up and holds the ends of his sleeves and his yeah. and he like, trots over and sits down in the chair and it just a little detail yeah. cracks me up mm-hmm. <laughs> every time I see it <laughs> I think if I saw this film when I was little mm-hmm. the fire swamp scene would have turned me off in this movie and I wouldn't have watched it for years. Interesting. Like the the art the um rodents of unusual yes. size. Yeah. That would have freaked me out. And like I I almost want to like just retroactively rewrite history and say like that's why I don't like rats mm. or mice. That's why. No, you can just say you can you can say my consciousness um was aware yeah. of their existence on film and yeah. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um I also love this the behind the scenes fact that little mm. people are playing them. Yes. And then I guess one showed up to set very inebriated. <laughs> and, so. there was, and there was another one. I don't know if it was the same one. He was also, he also got arrested. Yeah. <laughs> they had to bail him out of jail. <laughs> so I'm just watching it last night and I'm just thinking like, there's this like inebriated criminal in this suit. And I was like, I'd be worried. Like, I don't know who this guy is. He's I don't fighting. know. I, I feel like, I don't know how comfortable that suit was. And he had to kind of get beaten up by, you know, Kelly Elway. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just one way to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my and my favorite scene, and I don't know, I don't know if you could call it a scene, but it's almost like a behind the scenes mm. fact. But like, um, Manny Patinkin, like he lost his father to cancer, yes. and mm-hmm. then like the scene where he's like, "I want my father back, you son of a bitch." He said like that was like me mm-hmm. killing the cancer that took my father, and I was like, that really hit me right there. Absolutely, that whew, yeah, that that's such that's such a powerful and and absolutely for him in, in, in documentary he was recounting that and again same thing mm-hmm. as yeah. tears come into his eyes remembering this and i think that that's also what gets me thinking about how relatable you know this movie is mm-hmm. like we're all indigo yeah you know we, we all relate to that to mm-hmm. that feeling and the fact that the actor had such a close connection to the character again he was able to play the character so well Mm-hmm. And so genuinely, yeah, in that moment, absolutely. I think I, I love that when the actors really feel a personal connection to mm-hmm. the work, and you see that on screen. Yes, like I, that close up when he says it, I'm just like, yeah, I, I know what you're going through right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in all the times you've watched this film through the years, are there any like specific viewings that stick out in your? Obviously, the mm-hmm. Carrie Elway screening, yes. but I know you have a niece and nephew. Have you introduced like the film to them yet? 
You know, I think I tried, or maybe I think it was I recommended my sister-in-law to show it to them, but mm-hmm. this was a few years ago. They might have still been a little bit too young. I think they, they couldn't sit down for the whole thing. Okay. Um, yeah, so right now, they're 10 and 8. The okay. older two, the younger two are like two and you know, six months, so mm-hmm. they're not ready yet. Um, so maybe we can try re- reintroducing it mm-hmm. to them now. Um, I feel like they're right at that age where right Fred age. Savage is yes. in that movie. Yeah, yeah. M- maybe I'll try. Uh, actually, my niece is coming this week, so maybe I'll see if she'd be interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she do it. But you know what? Actually, when I was thinking about times that are significant, my um, the summer camp I went to growing up um, mm-hmm. in Maine, we had evening activities every every okay. night, and one evening activity would be um, boys' night out, girls' night in. Okay. And then I think the next day we'd switch it. It'll be girls' night out, boys' night in. Nice. Um, and the girls' night in, this feels very, very stereotypical, but it was so fun. We would have a like pajama movie party in the dining hall. Nice. We all got in our pajamas, and we had like snacks and popcorn, and we'd all watch a movie, and the movie we'd watch, The Princess Bride. Awesome. So that that to me, and it was like, you know, a big, not like a slump, we didn't stay over, obviously, but it did feel like a big, like, slumber party with, like, 30 or 40, yeah. <laughs> you know, people, and, I don't know, it was, it was just fun, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you ever talked about this in class with your students? I really haven't. Okay. Um, it's so funny, when I, whenever I do try to talk about media with my students, it's mm-hmm. usually... Like, I'm trying to, like, help them understand a literary concept mm-hmm. and try to connect it to, like, okay, you've seen this in this TV show and this movie, mm-hmm. th- therefore you can also see it in this book. But I never know what they watch anymore. Right. <laughs> and, and it's so hard for me to know, like, what is... Like, I feel like the generation gap is, like, growing more and yeah. more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, what is something that we all can know and identify with? And maybe I should be like, has anyone seen The Princess Bride yet? <laughs> I'm mm. like... And brought this, I really actually haven't brought this up much with my students. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. it would be kind of interesting. I'm trying to think of how I can like fit it in the curriculum. <laughs> Make them read the book first. Ooh, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read the book. I would. Wasn't there like a book club type thing in the high school at one point? For teachers, I don't know. If there's one officially for students. Okay. Hmm. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. Like a, a a book to movie, yeah. Book and film club. We only read the books, mm-hmm. followed by the movie it was based on. Yeah, I'm shooting myself in my foot in the foot here because it takes me forever to finish a book. It's all good. Audio books for the win, really. Yeah. You just like listen to the audio and get it done a lot faster. Okay. Yeah. Um. Here, here's the big one. Uh, how do you think this film has informed who you are, or at all? Like, has it inspired you in any way? Like in your work. Again, I think because I watched it when I was so young, any kind of, like, shaping of me would be, like, foundational. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's that in, in the movie um, Inside Out? Those, like, core memories yeah. that, like, form who you are. Mm-hmm. I think it certainly, it certainly is an example of exactly the kind of stories I like. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said earlier, like, I like fantasy. I like action. But I also like stories with hope in them that are still kind of realistic and I think maybe some of that blend of knowing the reality of the world while Mm -hmm. also still having hope Mm -hmm. regardless or despite I think that's sort of built very deep into my 
sort of DNA, so to speak. Okay. Um, and also because it's the kind of books that I get drawn to anyway, and the kind of story that get drawn, it sort of gets reinforced mm-hmm. in some ways. Okay. I think now, now we can get into like the uh, critical analysis of the film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, basic, like, what, what does this film say about the basic nature of storytelling, I think, mm. is what I wrote in the notes. That's such interesting... I think we did kind of touch a little bit on that, that, well, if you think about basic nature of storytelling, that every generation is sort of passing on the same stories over and over again. Right. There's, you know, that concept of um, you know, the hero's journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, how just like every major like hero story is all the same, Yeah. you know, um, and I, but I think that doesn't mean that it's dull. It means that it's still true. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, that kind of reinforces something very true mm-hmm. about life. Um, I also kind of think about maybe the stories that the characters tell about themselves and how sometimes you, not to be, like, really cheesy, but, like, you can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. can't necessarily, you don't know a person's story until they tell it. Like, you know, yeah. um, Wesley, before he reveals himself, looks so scary and evil and mean. Yeah. And then you realize, oh... He's a Dread Pirate Roberts. That's really scary. But hang on, the Dread Pirate Roberts isn't even who you think he is. Right. Um, Fezzik and Indigo—they look very scary and intimidating, but they actually have a very strong moral code. Mm-hmm. You know, like Indigo wants to give Wesley a fighting chance, and Fezzik. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not. I, I don't. I want to be sportsman-like with you. I'm not gonna like mm-hmm. hit you with a rock. <laughs> um, so I think it's also a little bit of like storytelling of not just the stories we tell each other that kind of pass down through generations, but also the stories that people have about themselves and how they can surprise you and subvert your expectations of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked a lot about subversion of expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, do we do we cover it all? I think maybe. Maybe I, again, I forgot my notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, let me grab my notes real quick. Oh yeah, I, I even dreamt that I was going to forget my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and my dream came true because <laughs> they're on my desk. <laughs> I think I think we already covered it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just wrote inconceivable down at one point. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. Positions as antagonists. Another night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. We. Oh, I just want you to feel you're doing well. I hate for people to die embarrassed. <laughs> oh, you know what? There's another line actually that is so funny about Indigo. Like when he says, "Like, who are you?" No, no, no consequence. No I, I must know. Get used to disappointment. But then Manny Patikin is so brilliant. He he gives this little face and shrug, like, okay. <laughs> like, it's like, I accept that. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll get used to disappointment. That's okay. <laughs> and moves on. Yeah. Um, I think I think you had a question there earlier about theme, right? Yeah, or, uh, we did kind of just touch on that, but what do you think some of the, um, we'll keep going, mm-hmm. the important like themes or messages of the film are? I was thinking about this, and I feel like the theme... Um, can be summed up by two of the lines. We already talked about them both, but um, life is pain. Yeah. Anyone who says, says differently is selling something. Mm-hmm. And um, death does not stop true love. Yeah. You know, and so I think looking at those two lines side by side, I think that carries the theme. Um, mm-hmm. like, recon- like, like knowing that things are going to be hard. Yeah. Like even, like, even at the end of the movie, they go off on their horses while mm-hmm. I'm thinking... Well, they better go to like a doctor because poor Indigo <laughs> is yeah. really seriously wounded. Um, mm-hmm. But you know you have that, but at the same time you do have that they're free, right? So, and um, what was I going to say? Oh no, it escaped my it escaped my brain. Um, 
you don't even know where they're going at the end of the movie. It just says they get away. Maybe, maybe they go to Gilder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and I, we talked about how the prince is the bad guy. Like we don't really mm-hmm. even notice that, or we don't. We're not even like um, clued into that mm-hmm. until like halfway through the movie. I think even like later, we don't even hear that he was the one who hired Vizzini. Mm-hmm. Until after the fire swamp, I think the only hint is um, there's a part where when he's first hunting for Buttercup and trying to find her, yeah, and he has this line that says like, like the princess is alive or was an hour ago. If she is not, I would be very put out, like put out, <laughs> like dude, that's your fiance. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, oh, he's he's pompous. Yeah, he's like, I'll be so put out. It's like. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's kind of like our first hint mm-hmm. that maybe he's not like he's certainly not in love with her. That's no, certain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, tan- tangent again. Mm-hmm. Um, do a lot of those here. I didn't find out till like probably like a few no years later that the prince is also the voice of Jack Skellington. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is, is it Chris Sarandon? Chris Sarandon. Yeah, he's the speaking voice of Jack Skellington. What? Okay, now yeah. I have to watch that. I have to watch that movie now. I cannot. I had no idea. I cannot hear it. It drives me crazy. He's too good of an actor. Well, I do know he had... I think he's American, so he had to put on a British accent. Mm-hmm. So I think there was... So maybe it's an accent thing. Maybe when he had a British accent, his voice changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's a wild connection. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Um, um, yeah, we were talking about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you... Oh, you know what? We talked about how, like, the film's themes and messages of how, like, things will get better mm. and life is pain and stuff. And I find it very interesting. Do you remember in early COVID, mm-hmm. the at-home oh, yes. version of Princess Pride? You know what's so funny? I did not see it. I have I have a really I have a really bad personality trait where if something's really popular, I'm, like, not into it at all. <laughs> like, I either have to get very into it at the very, very beginning. Like we were saying earlier, I've already yeah. seen a Barbie movie. It's so good. Um, but I was interested in the Barbie movie at the very first trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I either had to be interested in something immediately mm-hmm. or I need to wait, like, five or six years after it was popular. Okay. <laughs> so I actually haven't seen the at-home. <laughs> I, no, I have not either. I've only seen, like, bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think, like... It, during early COVID, it yeah. dropped on a streaming service that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Like was it, on, was it not on YouTube or maybe it's no, movie? it was like I can't even remember the name like of it. Tubi. Tubi. It was like Tubi or QB, yeah. something weird like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That has now like defunct, mm-hmm. and I think the Roku might have picked it up. Yeah, I don't know, but I really want to see it at some point. I I, I, should, I was actually going to watch it before coming here just to feel like you know you know do my homework properly, but yeah. then I like kind of forgot. Um, but you know, actually, I, I, th- I think well, that was I think early COVID when everyone thought the world was ending, and mm-hmm. in some ways it did. Yeah. Um, like it, I, I would say it did end, and now we're in a different world. Mm-hmm. But there was so much of us grasping onto anything good, anything good mm-hmm. and true and right and beautiful. Yeah. Like, and and I think it's something very telling. And maybe you know, thinking about the current writers' strike and actors' strike, mm-hmm. it's like we looked to the writers and the actors yeah. to tell us stories mm-hmm. to bring us hope. Yeah. So again, maybe thinking about power storytelling, you know, yeah. the grandson's sick. Like mm-hmm. he's actually, he's not feeling well. And yeah. his grandfather comes in and um, tells him the story. Mm-hmm. When, when 
things are unsteady for us when we're scared, when we're feeling like just terrified out of our minds. It's stories that help yeah. revive us and certainly comfort stories. I think mm-hmm. um, I know during that time I was rereading Lord of the Rings because I desperately oh, wow. needed something mm-hmm. that I was familiar with. I've read that book like a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed something I was familiar with, but also like, again, a fantasy story that yeah. still points to the realities of darkness, but also the ability for light yeah. and good to still overcome mm-hmm. despite how hard that is. Um, so I think I'm not really surprised that um, The Princess Bride, the at-home, yeah. became so popular because I think it yeah. is exactly the kind of movie. It's a comfort film for so many people. Yeah. And it is a film that does ultimately point to hope mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. And I think that, that really describes a lot of our media consumption during those times. Yeah. We also, we should be supporting do. the writers and actors. Yes, <laughs> yes, we should. Yeah, because that's literally all I did early pandemic yes. was watch the movies that I love. Mm-hmm. Just Absolutely. to put a smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's the whole point of this podcast, talking about the movies that lift us up. Absolutely. Yeah. Roll credits. No, still got a little <laughs> more time. Um, I, I, I do, there's a question there about remakes. I don't yes. Know if we got to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it is like, you know what I was... Reading, I was reading up on this on mm-hmm. IMDb. I guess, like, I forget now which year. It might have been 2010, but it might have been much earlier than that. It wasn't an official. It wasn't official. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like an official studio leak. But something got floated online about remaking the film. Yeah, making a new film with like A-list stars mm-hmm. and an like 80 million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. And the backlash was yeah, so intense. I remember. <laughs> yeah. It did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do wonder, even even though it wasn't through any official channels, mm-hmm. I do wonder if some studio like floated it just to see and people yeah. like, lost their minds. But I think what, that's probably what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think part of the reason is like not just that we love it so much and you get, feel very protective of mm-hmm. something that you love. But again, watching this yesterday, I realized how carefully they have to thread the needle Mm -hmm. through like genuine human emotion Mm -hmm. and humor and satire yeah like there are so many tonal shifts that happen Mm -hmm. really quickly yeah that it really only worked because of the people making it Mm -hmm. um i think it's actually i think it's a surprisingly difficult task it was a bit of like a high wire act that we don't really notice because so it's done so well you know something's mm-hmm. done well yeah. you don't realize how much work right it takes for it to actually work mm-hmm. um but i and i find there were so many times when you watch a movie and they do like a tonal shift and you're like ooh, like that was not done well mm-hmm. um this movie does them so well yeah that i think it'll be very very difficult mm-hmm. to make a remake that doesn't sort of destroy all the intentions yeah um, like how I, I mean honestly who, who else can be Fezzik you no, know like nobody no I, I don't think I exist. could yeah yeah um, but you know what is interesting mm-hmm. and I did some additional googling this morning mm-hmm. there is a Broadway musical is there really yes there, not yet okay it's in the works oh, okay and that's like legitimately in the works I think Rob Reiner said something about it um, you know and so I and what was so funny I was googling it and I think there was news about it like as early as 2019, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was even like some Broadway ticket selling website that actually had buy, sell, buy tickets now, but there was okay. like no date. <laughs> Interesting. So I think it's in the works in that someone is writing it. Okay. And that got, 
And I'm more open to that because a Broadway musical is a totally different medium mm-hmm. than a film. Yeah. And, like, you know, I think a musical can do those same kinds of tonal shifts mm-hmm. um, just to the nature of how musicals are, how, like, um, how they can kind of use, like, song as a way to kind of get underneath some of the heavier emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is one of my favorite shows. It's so good. That's Another like, one I need to watch. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? They use, like, comedic songs to get at pretty heavy topics. Yeah. So I can actually, I, I'm, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not skeptical. Mm-hmm. I'm not super excited. I'm just like, I'm open to see how it works. Yeah. And I'm curious to know if, like, you know, should this really come about, like, in reality mm-hmm. and actually become a Broadway musical? I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to happen the way it happened with the producers, so the, the movie The Producers by mm-hmm. Mel Brooks came out wasn't in the 60s yeah. that was a movie mm-hmm. then it got converted to a musical mm-hmm. and then years later the movie a, version of the musical yeah. so that's the only way i can see a remake happen and it won't mm-hmm. even be a real remake it would be a movie version of yeah. the musical just put it on broadway and then loophole it exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah i do love the 2003 producers movie like i have not seen it okay it's I, fun I, well i you know what it sounds kind of like a little bit messed up that I grew up on the original because I I, think I was probably watching Mel Brooks's movies at a far too young age. That's okay. It, it was family movie night. Family movie night. Let's watch Young Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> um, which again very much shaped my sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm too attached to the original. Mm-hmm. I, I I've yet to see. But is it if it's good? I do. I enjoy. It. I mean, I, I I'm a sucker for a good musical movie. So all right, I like musicals. So yeah. I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a try. And I. I kind of do want to see this Princess Bride Broadway musical like come to be. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. Yes. Into the Woods is my favorite Broadway musical, so like Ooh. this sounds right up my alley. And yes. conversely, like I saw the movie first. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and yeah. like I find the more I get into the Broadway musical, mm-hmm. the less I like the movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I get that. Yeah. The, the movie just doesn't like. I feel like it missed the mark, yeah. like, on the whole point of the story and mm. stuff. But that that's a topic for another day. And I do also, it ma- makes me think, too, again, think about different modalities between movies and, you know, theater, because theater is live. It's, mm-hmm. like, right there. You, the people are right there. And I'm also thinking, too, in movies about studio involvement. Sometimes studios mm-hmm. don't really know what they're doing. Um, yeah. And again, thinking about the Princess Bride, how it was pretty low budget. Like it was all yeah. like sound set. You know, like mm-hmm. it was like stages. It was sound stages, practical effects. As you said, yeah. there were like little people in in, in mm-hmm. costumes. You know, um, and to imagine if a studio got involved, yeah. there'd be a lot more money, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't. It would lose the charm. And again, as you were saying, with like the movie version of Into the Woods, they sort of lost yeah. the point of yeah. it. I think I would kind of chalk that up to sort of like the capitalistic uh, yeah. side of Hollywood. The corporate side of the big exactly. the big like, cheese, the like big let, mouse. Let, let, let's make money. Let's not make good art. Let's just make money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm glad you pointed out because I love, I was thinking about it for instance, I'm like, this movie is so simple. Mm-hmm. Like the sets are all practical. There's no CGI. Um, the music is almost like mm-hmm. 80s synthy and stuff. Yes. Like, I no, I'm not seeing a big orchestra in a recording booth when I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the cinematography is very simple. Mm-hmm. I I can only point to two shots where I'm like, okay, they actually like put some effort into moving the camera there, mm-hmm. and that's when he's like 
praying to his father holding the sword and the oh, yeah. light flows behind him and then the one part where like we think like Carrie always is still like he's like I don't know I almost said flaccid <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's mostly dead not all yeah, dead mostly he's on the bed and he's like doing a very good job of just lying in bed and being intimidating and then he stands up and holds the sword out I'm like okay oh, yes. that's a good shot that's the yeah. hero shot right there mm-hmm. um, yeah but yeah, there's been very little attempts at remakes, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of like pop culture references. I don't remember too many. Mm, yeah. No parody. The only parody I can remember is um, when they re-released Deadpool two, mm-hmm. but they wanted to bring it down from an R rating to a PG thirteen rating. Mm-hmm. They reframed the whole movie where Deadpool was telling it to like a story in bed, oh. and they got Fred Savage back. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only, th- like, that's probably the biggest, like, connection yeah. I can think and of. And that's almost more like a, ho- like, like a homage. Right. More than anything else. Mm-hmm. And then that's actually a good point, too, how in, in The Princess Bride, they're not, it feels timeless because they don't make any in-jokes. Yeah. This came out in 1987. Mm-hmm. They're not making any jokes about any media figures or anything from, mm-hmm. the, from the 80s. Yeah. So, you never feel lost. It doesn't get dated. And I right. feel like so much of movies now, the humor is so much more self-referential. Yeah. And the humor is so much more like wink-wink at specific current, like contemporary of the mm-hmm. filming's time. Um, like movie, uh, like, like the culture at the time, that it does get dated pretty quickly. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you're referencing something that happened now 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the modern day sensibilities of humor in movies now is not the same as mm-hmm. a, as the movie has it. Yeah. Which yeah. again, which makes a remake just hideous. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't want to see any like Mm-mm. pop culture references nope. coming out of Wesley's mouth. But it is interesting how how much of this film has entered into our lexicon. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Like, even, I don't know if you saw the meme of how, like, hello, my name is Inuma Montoya. Mm -hmm. You've killed my father, prepare to die. There was, like, someone pointed out, actually, that's a perfect way to introduce yourself. Say hello, say your name, share how you know each other, (laughs) and share your intentions with the conversation. It's a great icebreaker. Exactly. I think I knew, I knew that line before I knew the movie. Exactly. So it's just, the, so many elements to the movie are already embedded, Mm -hmm. so to speak, in how we communicate. Like, they were selling T-shirts in Coles, and I'm like, what does that even yes. mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they reference it on how I met... Oh, okay, how I met your mother. Yeah. They did mm-hmm. a sword fight, and I'm like, yeah. what are they talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't... I'm trying to think of anything else. I I know I've heard had fun storming the castle before. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. I find it so interesting, too, thinking about having fun storming the castle. I love texting out to people, like, have fun storming the castle. Like, mm-hmm. um, when I was watching this movie yesterday, I was struck, and... You can correct me if I'm super off base here, but at the end of movies, you have the credits rolling, mm-hmm. and you have like the big stars and all that. And sometimes, mm-hmm. like they'll pop up on the yeah. screen, like it'll be mm-hmm. the name, and maybe they'll pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed here in the movie, they actually they don't just pop up; they revisit the scene. Yes. they're in. It's almost mm-hmm. like this sort of like you watch the whole movie, and then there's this mini montage of the whole movie again. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and and I feel like to me that really reinforces the creativity involved in a movie and saying mm-hmm. these are the people who made this movie work. Yeah. You know, these are the actors' names, mm-hmm. this is the director's names, this is the writer. And and the the very, very, very last shot is Max and Valerie waving. 
<laughs> that's the very last shot of the movie and then it switches to like traditional credits yeah. with like the song overlaid yeah i love fun movie credits like that yeah that just like it, it's not just the names on the mm-hmm. screen scrolling up yeah. like yeah. even like the the modern day now with like superhero movies like mm-hmm. it's all creative like graphics and stuff but even there's like a little like I want to say, like, Easter egg or a visual that cues into you, like, okay, that's who they played. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, I think uh, the first Captain America, um, when Haley Atwell's name came up, Mm -hmm. because she played Agent Carter, they have, like, the famous Rosie the Riveter poster. Okay, so obviously she played Peggy Carter. But I I do like that whole, like, it's a celebration of the movie Mm -hmm. we just saw. Yeah. Yeah. I love this movie. It's so good. Um, Y'all, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't watched it yet, um, well, sorry for the spoiler Oops. alert, but you should, if you're listening and you haven't watched it yet, what are you doing? Turn like, around. Like, pause right now. Um, get the DVD. I actually, I don't know if it's, I don't know how people can watch it. I know. It's on Disney Plus. Ooh. Th- yeah, so that's Disney how I watched Plus. it last night. Oh, there you go. So I, I own the DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you I know what? I, I'm a big fan of going to the library. I'm, I'm doing an Audrey Hepburn summer this summer where Ooh. I'm watching 15 15 of our 34 movies. Okay. And I've been going to the library so much because nice. that's like the most um, consistent and also cheapest way mm. to get DVDs. I'm very happy to hear you support physical media. Absolutely. Because I get very sad when I walk into Target or Best Buy mm-hmm. and it's like, it's been reduced to a tiny bookshelf. Yeah. Makes me very sad. Well, it's also, I mean, streaming services are not, you, you, you have access to the library, but you don't have any ownership and they can just take something off and then you mm-hmm. can never have it. Yeah. So if you had the DVD, it's like you always have it forever. Right. Yeah. That's as long why. as you know DVD players exist. <laughs> I hope they do. Because <laughs> I, I have a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays. But, but like they're, they're taking them away from the laptops. <laughs> laptops don't have DVD players oh, anymore. Oh, I know. You got to buy a separate. Oh, uh, uh, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I bought a Blu-ray player because my old one broke, like Black oh. Friday weekend. <gasps> I know. I think everyone was like looking at me like, "What's he doing? <laughs> What's this old guy doing buying a Blu-ray player?" <laughs> Listen, they still work. They do. Yes. And I have Purchase Bride on DVD and Blu-ray, and, you know, I don't trust these streaming services anymore. And also, honestly, the streaming services don't have all the cool behind-the-scenes features. That's also true. So so when I was looking on the... I have the the 2001 special edition. Mm -hmm. That's the version that has a documentary. And that's Mm -hmm. the version that has um, Carrie Elvis. He um, had a video diary. Oh, that yeah. he filmed during the filming, and mm-hmm. that's on there too. So, like all these DVDs, you get you get the um, commentary from the writer, commentary from the director. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's 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 the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Support physical media. Yes, and support writers and actors. And support libraries. Yeah, support physical <laughs> media, libraries, writers, actors. Exactly, yes. all of it covered it all. <laughs> um, as we reach the end of our time, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Why do you think people should see the Princess Bride? Oof. Um, just so you can understand all the cultural references. <laughs> um, it is a feel-good movie that you will connect to and relate to. Mm-hmm. And it's also just a darn good movie. It is a very good movie. You know, if you want to see actors in their A-game believing thoroughly in the work that they're doing, if you want to see a director just loving a story to pieces, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Princess Bride, right. 100%. And then to wrap it up, why does the Princess Bride matter to you? Um, I know I think I've touched on this before. It's just fundamental to who mm-hmm. I am as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, again, seeing it at such a young age, 
again, so young that I have no memory of the first time I saw it. It's just a, it's always been mm-hmm. in my brain. Um, I think using humor as a way to deal with things, like the way that kind of use humor, but also finding ways to connect with people you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and having hope and believing in love, even though life is pain, it's it's just kind of, it's just so it's so fundamental to who I am. Yeah. It's like, you can't, you can't separate me from Princess Bride at all. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Enough said. Yep. This was awesome. Yeah. No, thank, thank you. I'm so pumped. Thank you so much for having me. Thank I, you I for like, coming on. I was looking forward to this. I was yeah. like, yes, I got to watch the movie again. Talk about it. Yeah. Please come back if you have any other movies. Oh, I talk will about. send you a list. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. We'll add you to the repertoire of like recurring guests. I love it. Love it. I love it. Yes. Awesome. Folks, thank you for tuning in to Movies That Matter. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me, uh, you can email me at moviesthatmatterpod at gmail.com. Also at Movies That Matter Pod on Instagram. And um, I don't know what's going on with Twitter or X. I, oh, my goodness. Whatever it's called. <laughs> but I'm on there uh, at Movies That Matter minus the second T at the end of that on Twitter or X or wherever. Um, maybe I should make a Threads. <laughs> I double check. I apparently, if you delete your threads, you lose your Instagram. What? Uh, I don't know. You, you can you can fact check me on that. I do not want to lose my Instagram. <laughs> no. but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I threads. I haven't gone on to that. In new social media. I'm like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> I I know. I, I think like I just made threads, and my first thing was like, I don't have time to build another social media presence. It's so much I'm a 32 year old man, for God's sake. <laughs> but I don't want to lose my Instagram. That's my favorite social media platform. Yeah, so just stick with Instagram. Instagram yeah. is great, y'all. Okay, yeah. You see pictures. You, t- you see pictures. You can't get into a fight on Instagram, or can you? I don't know. Don't try. Be it's, nice. It's, you just ignore the comments, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a <laughs> quick little tangent there. Um, folks, the real world is scary sometimes, as we've talked about with The Princess Bride today. Uh, when things get tough, just escape into your favorite movie or TV show. You know, don't listen to the box office. Or the critics, uh, entertainment is subjective, and that's not a bad thing. Just watch what you love and support writers, actors, physical media, and libraries. We got it all. Uh, this has been Movies That Matter. I've been Chris Flaherty. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>